0: How's everybody doing today? You doing good? you looking good. Good to see you at our 10 o'clock service. My name is Jason. I'm the pastor here at Hope City Church, and uh, we mean what we said, what Rob and Melissa said earlier. If you are a guest with us today, um, it's just a big deal to us because um, for a lot of reasons. One, there are like 18,000 churches in the city of Louisville, and you came here. So that's cool. Uh, but two, because, um, you know, there's always a reason to not do the things in our lives that we need to do, right? Anybody else like me, you're like, I'm going to the gym tomorrow. I'm waking up at 5.30 a.m. and I am hitting the gym. Anybody? And then uh, I am going to start tomorrow. And, um, and, you know, church and a relationship with God, not just church, but a relationship with Jesus is the best decision you could ever make in your life, and so there's all kinds of distractions and reasons why you could uh, choose not to head in that direction, so I'm just pumped that you're here today, and I'm especially excited that you're here because you are here on our favorite day, and that's a little bit sacrilegious because Easter is a big, important day to us and God, but um, so we're just going to call this Favorite Day 1B um, because it's Imagine Sunday, it's Imagine Sunday, and I'm going to tell you all uh, about Imagine Sunday. If you've never been a part of that, I'm going to... I'm going to tell you about that. But I believe that in the heart of every church, I believe this, I've grown up in church. A lot of you know my story. My mom went into labor while playing the piano at church, okay? So I am as churched as you can be. And, um, and I believe in the heart of every church, God puts a unique DNA, a unique DNA. That every church is not supposed to be the same. And so, and so there's, a, there's a unique DNA, there's a unique purpose, some kind of unique calling. Now, there's obviously some similarities. You do some music, you preach a sermon, you know, you take up an offering, you meet some people, you get in a group. Like, there are similarities that go with, with most all churches, and I totally get that. Um, but there's also unique purpose and DNA, which is one of the reasons why it's absolutely ridiculous to, to like, judge other churches um, you know, where you stand back and sometimes you say like, oh, I don't like that church because, you know, the preacher yells, or I don't like that church because they dress up or they dress down, or, you know, a lot of you have said to me before, like, I don't like Southeast because it's too big, you know, I like it that it's small, this is church is small, and I'm like, well, I mean, enjoy it for now, but this is not exactly how we're going to stay. So, my point is, is like, every church is different, and every calling is different, every season is different. And so there are people that need different churches, different flavors for different folks. And so um, we, we believe with all of our heart that every church has a unique calling and purpose. And I believe, uh, and the leadership here at our church believes, that, that God, while there's a couple of things that he's obviously called us to, we believe that God has given Hope City Church a DNA of generosity of generosity, that you are the most generous church that I know, and I don't say that because I'm your pastor. You know how sometimes, like, your kid's terrible at soccer. You're like, she's the best soccer player. Like, no, I'm being serious. Like, even though I pastor this church, I'm telling you that you are the most generous church that I've, that I've ever known, that I've ever met. Uh, it's not a competition. Uh, if it were, we'd be winning, but it's not a competition. Um, I, I've, got, I've got all kinds of pastor friends, who pastor churches three, four, five times larger than ours, and um, and they're constantly blown away when I tell them stories about you. It's not about me; it's about you, and and what you're doing, and how you're giving, and how you're helping support incredible things that are happening all over the world. And they always ask me like, "There's some kind of like secret, you know? Like there's a there's a there's a sermon, or there's a scripture, or something." And I say, "No, I just honestly believe that." That every church has a little different flavor, a little different DNA. Uh, And and for us, God has said, hey, Hope City Church currently residing at 7515 Third Street Road, I'm calling you to be generous. And and the people who respond to that calling show up in this place. And, uh, And that's what Imagine is all about. Imagine Sunday for us is our church's attempt to be a generous church. It started nine years ago. Uh originally our slogan was imagine a church that isn't selfish. We didn't mean it the way that it sounded, so we changed it to make it sound a little more nice. But uh but but some of you have heard the story a hundred times, some of you have never heard it. So I just want to share the story with you again that nine years ago when myself and another guy named Cecil uh became the pastors of this church, we began to review the finances and look at the books and all the stuff that you don't think about when you just attend a church you like and and so we began to look at the books, and what we found is that our church was spending 99% of everything that comes in, uh, that came in on ourselves. And it wasn't like crazy stuff, like, you know, the staff was getting like, you know, new computers and cars and steak dinners or anything like that. It was actually the opposite, um, but it was just stuff. You know how it is, like for your home budget. It was like, you know, you got just an extra grocery run or replacing a microphone or, you know, whatever it is. We're just, we were spending all of our money on ourselves. And I was feeling incredibly hypocritical when we found out that information because I would stand up here as a pastor and I would say, you've got to put generosity first. You've got to put God first. You've got to put tithing first. You've got to put giving first. And, and, and in a response, the most popular response to that is, well, I can't because we just don't have the money. And I would say, no, you've got to put God first regardless of that because if you do, you've heard me preach it 100 times. When you do, God blesses, and you're always better off giving even when you feel like you can't. And so then here I am looking at the church finances, and I'm like, oh, but we can't, right? The same thing that somebody else would say. And, and so we just made a decision like, you know what? We cannot be hypocritical. We've got to have integrity, and, and we've got to do this. We, we've got to practice what we preach. And, um, and so we uh, begin to pray, like, what do we, what do, we do, God? Because we want to do something, uh, but in, in, unless we start firing staff, uh, we can't really adjust the budget that much, so what do we do? And through a series of uh, God moments and God events, um, I got on a plane and headed to Buenos Aires, Argentina, and got down there. And the trip was okay. It wasn't a terrible trip, but I'm thinking, why am I down here? I never felt like I had that, like, boom, God moment on the trip until the last day. And the last day, I got to meet a lady named Sister Santa Cruz who was running an orphanage home outside of town, and we're walking the property, and through a translator, she's telling me about all the things that she would love to do and the vision in her heart, and I believe in that moment that God impressed upon me, like, Jason, this is why you came. I want you to figure out how, uh, at the time, River City Worship Center can help her accomplish your dreams. And so we got I got on the plane flying back that night and uh, it was actually kind of a cool thing because the, the flights got messed up so my dad had to take a different flight and this other guy so I was all by myself and and I got a 12 hour flight and, and so I, I began to pray and, and write some things down and I and I wrote down that night on that plane coming back. Imagine a church that isn't, that isn't selfish, and, and, and I began to ask God, like pray to God, like God, what, what does this look like, help me out, I'm, I'm 24 years old, I've never pastored before, you know, what, what do we do, and I really felt like that what we were supposed to do was to come back and to tell you what was happening, like I'm doing now, and we were supposed to take up an offering, we're just going to take up an offering, and the idea of the offering, this was nine years ago, the idea of the offering, February of 2008, the idea was that we're going to take up an offering, and we're just going to give it all away. We're just going to give everything away. And, uh, and, and, and for whatever reason, because I'm half crazy, I said, you know what? We're, we're going to raise $20,000. We're going to raise $20,000. And so we talked about it as leadership a little bit and some other pastor friends, and everybody was trying to, like, not kill my faith but temper my expectations. You ever had that happen before? And uh, they're like, they don't want to crush me, but they're like, that's probably not going to happen. So um, there were 118 adults in the room that day. There was 118 adults in the room. And um, I did, I shared what was on my heart, got in the car. Like most Sundays, Andrew says, how do you think it went? And I'm like, oh, God, I just want to get home. Like I just, you know, I'm always doubting myself. And, uh, and I said, you know, well, well, it'll be a nice little offering, you know, but probably not. And uh, we got a text later that day that 118 adults gave $21,000. And, uh, the math is just insane. And so we did what we said we were going to do. We started giving, just giving it away, helping guys plant churches and helping uh, orphanages down in Argentina. We took the church's first missions trip in, in its history, in its 90-year history. It had never been on a missions trip. We took our first missions trip. People had never been on planes before. We got on the plane and and flew down there. And we we started the Bless Back Project, which is how we just help families here in the community get ready for school and, and uh, just... A bunch of different things. Like we just maximized twenty-one thousand dollars. Like that was our that was our goal. And so we ran out of money. You know, we gave it all away. We stood back up the next February and we told you the story. And that year, uh, a, a few more people than one hundred eighteen gave thirty thousand dollars. And then the next year, it was like thirty something thousand dollars. The next year it was forty something thousand. Then it was fifty thousand. Then it was like sixty thousand. And over the last When we get done with 2017, you will have given away as a church over $450,000. It's all, it's all, it's just been given away. And, And what's, what I'm most proud of, 450 is insane. That's incredible. But here's what I'm most proud of is that as a team and as a finance team and as elders, it has not been easy and it has taken almost 10 years, but we have continued to work on the budget. So it's not just an offering thing. So now as a church, for all the number nerds in here, we'll just, if you're not a number nerd, just ignore me for a second. But for all the number nerds in here, um, as a church now, we are operating on 81% and giving away 19% of everything that's coming in, right? So in essence, when you give a dollar, 20 cents is just going out to help people and towards generosity. And uh, I could tell you so much more and I will tell you a little bit more, but that's that's kind of the story of Hope City Church and Imagine and the DNA that God has put in us, which is just generosity, just being generous. Like, hey God, we're, we're, you're doing something and we just wanna be a part of it. And what's been amazing over the last nine years is just the God connections, the conversations, the, hey, have you met this guy? You know what he's doing? Hey, you may wanna call him, check this out, you know, whatever. And And word is spreading about you because people are saying, hey, doesn't your church help people? Aren't you guys? And, and, and the opportunities have have grown for us. Here's just a couple of things that, that we've done over the last uh, nine years with $450,000. We've helped fund orphanages in Argentina, Bolivia, Mexico, and Guatemala. We've helped plant 15 churches. Uh, we've helped over 1,000 families get ready to go back to school through our Bless Back project. We've supported missionaries in Asia, Africa, in South America. That's just some of the things that you have done. And uh, and so knowing that, imagine 2017 was coming up and I'm talking to a pastor friend and he's like, you know, man, are you nervous? Like, what are you going to say? Like, you, you, how many sermons do you have on generosity? And you know, what are you going to do? And I honestly felt just such peace. And so I told him, I was like, I, I I honestly feel like I could just get up there and be like, hey guys, it's imagine. was like, all right, let's just pray and go home. We know what to do, right? And like, because generosity has just been a part of you. If you're a guest today, I want you to know that that we're so proud of this. We don't apologize for it and we don't back down from it because we believe that generosity is the antidote to greed and to everything in society that's saying more, more, more. You'll be happier if you get more. And we just know like, hey, it doesn't work like that. That hasn't lived up to the hype. And and so we just, we want to be the most generous church that we can, we can possibly be. And so what I want to do today for just a few moments, I'm going to share just a few ideas out of a scripture. And then I'm going to interview some guests that we have today, looking ahead, some, or looking back, some of the things we did in 2017 and also, or 2016, looking ahead to some things we did in 2017. So if you have a Bible, I'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If not, it's going to be up on the screen for you. Second Corinthians chapter 8, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth and uh, he, he says some, some pretty interesting things. Um, and we're going to start in verse seven, and he's writing to this church, and he says, "Since you excel in so many ways," so he starts to brag on this church. He says, "Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, everybody say faith. faith. In your gifted speakers, I'm just going go ahead and pat myself on the back for that. Your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love uh, from us." So he lists these things about this church, and I want you to th- just think about this. This is a pretty incredible church. It's a church filled with faith. It's a church with talented people. It's a church with knowledge. They're not idiots. It's a church with enthusiasm and love. I don't know about you, but I would love to go to that church. That's an incredible church. But look at what Paul says. He says, I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. In the gracious act of giving. See, there's a difference between being a church and being a church service. And there's a couple of differences, but one of the main differences one of the main differences between a church and a church service is when it's just a church service, everybody comes, receives, and leaves. But, but when you're a church, everybody says, this is my family, and, and, they, and they give, and they are generous. There's an incredible story in Exodus chapter 36. I don't have time to get into it, but I'll just sum it up for you. Moses is raising money in the desert with Israel to build a tabernacle, and, uh, and, and people bring so much that finally Moses has to stand up in front of the people, and uh, in 36 verse 5, And he says, men and women, don't prepare any more gifts. We have enough. Wouldn't that be insane? If like a pastor got up in front of the people and was like, listen, we're not taking off them for the next six months because you guys have given so much money. We don't even, like the bank won't even let us deposit any more money and we can't help any more missionaries and we're getting audited by the IRS. They're thinking something's up. This is very weird. Just please don't give. Just do not give. How incredible would that be? And that's where Moses finds himself. And so Paul keeps going. He says, listen, it's awesome you have faith and talent and knowledge and enthusiasm and love, but I also want you to excel in the gracious act of giving. And the very next verse says, I'm not commanding you to do this. I'm not commanding you to do it. And if you skip ahead to verse 11, he says, I want you to give in proportion to what you have. This is such a powerful principle. It's something we've built our ministry on and we believe with all of our hearts that we don't ever want to talk you into giving anything don't ever want to emotionally, like if you've been around here long enough to know, like we don't put starving kids up on the screen and, and nothing wrong, we want to help starving kids, but like we don't put starving kids up on the screen or or, or try to make you cry so you'll so you'll write a bigger check. That's, that's not what we've ever been about because we believe with all of our hearts that giving is a personal thing between you and your relationship with God. It's so personal that some of you are three, six, eight months into a relationship with God and and you're not even sure where you fall on that spectrum yet. And we say, hey, like, hey, you're welcome here. But there comes a point for all of us, for all of us, when we feel God knocking on our heart and and leading us and prompting us. And Paul says, I'm not telling you, like, if you don't give, if you're not generous, you got to get out. I'm just telling you that, that, that you need to give in proportion to what you have. See, giving is never about equal amounts. It's always about equal sacrifice. Giving is never about equal amounts. It's always about equal sacrifice. The one example that Jesus gave us in the Gospels of the person who impressed him the most gave gave a penny. But it's all she had. And and so it's never been about equal amounts. It's always been about equal sacrifice. And the challenge for us and the, the temptation for us is to say, well, I don't have it. I don't have it. There's nothing to give. And and I don't have anything that I, could, that I could give to God or give to the church. But it's the, the truth, the hard truth, the, the reality that we, we face is that, you know, the Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart is. And, and where your heart is, there your treasure is. And so we, we could look at how we spend our money, and we would find out what things are important to us. You know, during the Great Depression, the Great Depression, during the Great Depression, Americans gave away an average of 3.5% of their income. Today, we have the highest stock market in the history of the United States, and Americans give away 3.2% of their income. It's never about, if I had more, I would give more. It's always about what I do with, uh, with what I have. And so the last verse I want to read to you is 2 Corinthians 8, verse 12. Paul says, there again, just emphasizing this point. Paul says, whatever you give is acceptable. Whatever you give is acceptable, if you give it eagerly. Whatever you get, like Paul, if Paul was standing up here today, he'd be like, "Listen I'm not talking in anything. I'm sharing with you what's going on, the opportunity that you have, and I want you to know that if you want to do it, I want you to do it, and whatever you give is awesome if you do it eagerly. Anybody ever seen the movie or read the book? He's just not that into you. Anybody, anybody? I saw the movie, my wife made me in, uh, <laughs> and and um, I'm just kidding. I kind of like, like a good romance chick flick. Uh, and, um, and so if you haven't seen it, let me just explain to you real quick. I read the book. The premise of the story is to ladies out there that if a guy is not into you, you will know it. Um, you won't. Or if he's into you, you'll know it. You won't have to beg him to act like it or, you know, like he'll just like be crazy about you and do all the things that someone who's crazy about you would do. But if you're having to beg him, like the truth is he's probably just not that into you. I know it's kind of a strange metaphor, but I just feel like that that it's so uh, connected to what so many of us believe about our relationship with God or where we are in our relationship with God. That out of obligation, we try to be this Christian who follows religious rules or gives or whatever it is. And if we're just being honest, if like we're just being gut level, I'm not trying to be mean here, honest, like the truth is we're just not that into it. We're just not that into it. Like, we do the things that they say you're supposed to do, but, like, there's not this eagerness in our heart or this passion. Like, I'm in love with this woman. Like, we don't have any of that. It's like, well, the preacher said do this, or I got to do this, or here, take my money, or I'll be in church, fine. Like, I'll come to the church before I go to the lake. Just stop talking to me about that. And that's never been the point of God or a relationship with Jesus. And so here's Paul talking about giving And he's like, look, it's not about equal amounts. It's about equal sacrifice. And he says, I'm not even, like, trying to guilt you in anything. I want you to know that whatever you have on your heart to give, I'm never going to tell you what to give. I'm just going to ask you to ask God what to give. And whatever you have on your heart, if you're pumped about doing it, it's great. Whatever it is, if you're pumped about doing it, if you're excited, if there's that feeling in the pit of your stomach and your heart like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I just gave that. Oh, my gosh, we're giving that. I'm so excited about giving that. Paul says, you're doing it right. You're doing it right. Uh, I read a story uh, last week about Robert Kraft. Robert Kraft is the owner of the Patriots, which, you know, I don't don't know how you feel about the Patriots. But anyway, so they own the Patriots and just another Super Bowl. But they won their first Super Bowl in 2005. This is a fantastic story I had to share. So they won their first Super Bowl in 2005, and Robert Kraft, who's the owner, happened to be in Russia, and he was meeting with Vladimir Putin, Right. And so they're there, and Robert Kraft says to Putin, he he says, uh, hey, have you you seen my Super Bowl ring? And so he takes off his Super Bowl ring, and he gives it to Vladimir Putin. And Putin kind of looks at it and puts it on his finger and takes it off. He puts it in his pocket, turns around and walks out. And to this day, Robert Kraft has not gotten his Super Bowl ring back. And the legend is that Putin really does, like, go around Russia telling people, like, hey, have you seen my Super Bowl ring? Like, have you... Have seen my Super Bowl ring? And he took it back, and Robert Kraft came back and talked to the United States government, like, how can I get my ring back? And, America, and the United States government was like, probably just best if we just leave it alone, like, just let him <laughs> keep the ring, right? And so when I heard that story, I thought to myself, like, isn't that so much how we are in that God gives to us and blesses us, and we, like, stick it in our pocket, and we're like, hey, thanks, got it. Wow. And God could say, like, whoa, 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 that's mine, that's mine. Like, I gave it to you. I was just kind of letting you look at it and hold it for a second. And you put it in your pocket and, and walked out. And now you're bragging to everybody, like, look what I got. Look at my Super Bowl ring. It's like, bro, you're like 300 pounds. you never played football in your life. Like, <laughs> stop bragging about it. It's not yours. It's God's. And, um, and so it's just this challenge. It's this constant tension that we always face as a church and as a Christian. Like, where, where, what do I do? What, what do I do with the truth that everything I have is from God? And what do I do with the truth that he uses people to fund his kingdom? Like, he, he, he uses people. The book of Acts, the, the identifier, one of the things that made people who didn't believe in Jesus decide to believe in Jesus was everybody was selling all their property and giving it to everybody in need. And people are like, man, if, if, they, like, if they're really that into it, This thing must be for real. So we have this tension in all of us that we have to deal with. Whether we give, should we give more? Whether we don't, should we? And here's what I want you to know today. I echo what Paul said. Today is not about guilt. Today is not about, well, if you love Jesus more, you sure would spend more money on Jesus than you do on Starbucks or like something stupid like that. I just want you to know that this is an opportunity for you to experience a relationship with God, in a way like you've never experienced him before, because until Jesus has your money, he does not have your heart. He just doesn't have your heart. And so, and so, as we talk about Imagine today, I just wanna remind you that everything that's given, 100% of what's given, you're not giving it to me, you're not giving it to the, the, the building or to work on the utilities or to none of it. 100% of what you give today, we're giving it away. We're giving it away. Because we believe as a church that God is doing incredible things around the world. And man, if he is crazy enough to invite us to be a part of that, like we're in. We are 100% all in. And so um, what I want to do today for the time that we have left is I want to uh, interview a few guests that we have. Some of our home folk, but then also some guests just about ways that you have given as a church to to help some small, some larger, some things we're going to be doing, uh, and so we're uh, we're going to do that right now. So here here's what I'd like for you to do. Do we have microphones? Are we good? All right. So would you do me a favor and welcome one of Hope City Church's own, Mrs. Lynn Tatum. Lynn, come on up here. So um, I've asked Lynn to share with you just a, a moment about not only am I pumped that we financially are giving to what she's doing, but I'm also pumped that God is using her uh, outside of the walls of the church to make a difference. And so I've asked her to share just a little bit about what you got there and what how they've helped you. Thank you. Do it. Um,
1: about a year ago, I retired and decided, yeah, and decided that... <laughs> and decided I needed things to keep me busy. I found them. Anyway, one of the things I got involved in was through my grandchildren's school, and it's called Blessings in a Backpack, and I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but essentially it's through the Jefferson County Public Schools, and they look at the most at-risk children in any particular school, and every Friday we send them home food. I get emotional about this one. Anyway, there's protein in here, there's juice, there's crackers, and it's in a lightweight container where the kids can carry it home themselves. So at Brandeis this year, they had what they thought was probably 30 at-risk children. These are children that will not be fed, most likely, completely through the weekend if they didn't have this, because during the school year, they get breakfast and lunch. So what turned out was we didn't have 30, we had 60. But you have to turn your numbers in at the beginning of the year. So there we went looking for funding for 30 more children. Now, you can do this in a variety of ways, and we reached out and wrote a grant. The PTA came along and tried to raise money, but we were still short $550. So after listening to Jason, I've been here going on five years, decided that I would come to Hope City. So I went to Jason, and I explained the thing, and he said, how much you need? Well, at that time, I wasn't positive, and I said, I'm not sure. He said, I said, maybe $500. He said, how much do you need? I said, I don't know for sure, but I'll get back with you. And he said, we'll do it. He said, just let me know. So by the time we got everything in, it turned out to be $550. So I went back to him two months later, and I thought, oh, he's going to forget. He didn't. He said, I'll write you a check. So this is Imagine at Work. Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: First time we talked, actually, Lynn was like probably two or $300. <laughs> and I think what I said is, do you need two or 300 or is that – the most you're willing to ask for and she said something i think maybe 500 i'm like just tell me what it is so that's just one example of how we don't want to like get on a plane and travel 15 hours away when there's a need 15 minutes away we 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 always want to be doing something globally because the dollar goes so much farther there so it would be silly for us to only do local when you can build a building that would cost a million dollars for 100,000 dollars there so we always want to spread it out diversify but we always want to be looking locally, and, uh, and so that's just one way. And you're going to be hearing about Kentuckians, Kentuckians against about say Kentuckiana, Kentuckians against human trafficking, and one of the, our members are a part of that here. So I love the fact that it's not just a financial thing, but that it's a, uh, it's a heart thing, and people are getting involved in that. So thank you, Lynn, for sharing that story and for serving in that way. And I, I didn't I wrote the check, but I didn't give550 dollars. You gave550 dollars. OK. Uh, next is a guest we have with us today, Jessica Hansen, and her husband Josh serve as the directors of the Casa Shalom Orphanage in Guatemala. And uh, I asked her actually very short notice to be here today, and she made it a priority to be here because she is pumped about what we're doing. Do we have a video? Are we showing a video? Can't remember. Zach, are we showing a video? We are showing a video. So Jessica will be here after this video. Hold on one second, okay? Thanks.
2: I told you my story You would hear hope They wouldn't let go And if I told you my story You would hear love That never gave up And if I told in life but it wasn't mine if I
0: Me a favor, will you welcome Jessica Hanson? Grab <laughs> a seat. All right, well, Jessica, there are uh, several people in the church who are very familiar with you and what you and Josh do. Because how many people have ever been on one of our Guatemala missions trips? Let me see your hand. Got some, yeah, the right side. Um, and so um, we're just so pumped that you're here today. Thank you. We love what you're doing at Casa Shalom. Thank you, Pastor. So tell us a little bit. Give me like, I know we got to give like quick versions of stories here, but like how did you end up at Casa Shalom?
3: I, it was all the Lord. Um, in 2008, my husband and I were graduating um, from college and I had it on my heart to have a, a one-year adventure. We were brand newlyweds and we were familiar with Casa Shalom and so we signed up to go for one year. And after that one year, we were going to return to the United States and start real life, and God had very different plans. So we went as missionary volunteers and uh, very quickly realized that the Lord had something much bigger, and so we made another year commitment, and then after a year and a half, the board of directors asked us to become the directors of the orphanage, which we have been doing since 2010. So God's plans were so much greater.
0: So awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I grew up in a house that was like, my dad started taking me on mission trips when I was 12 years old, and his his plan was just to get me hooked, and it worked. And, uh, and so missions has always been a big deal here for us, and we've tried to do that. And one of the things that I loved when I showed up at Casa Shalom, we've seen a lot of places, a lot of orphanages, and it's not a competition, but if it were, you'd be winning. Thank you. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I love about Casa Shalom is like that you guys don't have this doom and gloom mentality about orphans, missions, you know, like if you look at all the pictures you guys shown, showing, they're smiling, there's hope. So we I know that's very intentional for you yes. guys. Will you share your heart behind that a little bit? Yeah,
3: absolutely. Um, so like the story says, if I told you their story, I mean, I could go through and I know every one of those children by name, they're all my babies, they're my heart. And they come from horrific places. It's human trafficking, and it's abuse, and it's abandonment, but we very intentionally teach them that's where they came from, but that is not where they're going, and that is not the plan that the Lord has for them. And so we do work very intentionally. We introduce them to Jesus Christ, the very first thing, and say, hey, here is somebody who's never going to leave you, never going to hurt you, never going to abandon you. In fact, he died for you, and he wants to save you from your sins. And so we work um, through intentionally by teaching them about Jesus Christ and through a very intensive psychology program with Christian, Christ-based therapy to bring them to a place of wholeness and restoration. And so
0: you're not just housing them, like, and and just so you guys know, one of the things that you did uh, through Imagine is we sent some teams down to help build, but we also sent money to buy supplies and different things to buy a, um, I'm going to say it wrong, but it's pretty much teaching them skills and crafts.
3: Yes, so we call it our taller, that means workshop, Um, and what it is right now, our boys and girls, we... Bring the girls in on these classes also. Our children and our young people are receiving weekly classes in carpentry. Right now, it's just carpentry in the future. It's also going to be electrical work, plumbing, and welding. And we're giving them life skills that they can use so they're not one day as adults looking for that next handout, but they're going to have these life skills that they can use to provide for themselves and their yeah. families in the
0: future. And that's one of the things, I mean, just just sidetrack for one second. That's one of the things I love about Imagine and I love about you because... You give, trusting, obviously, us and the leadership to, to use this money how God leads our heart. But one of the things that I love about how we do it is we, we ask the leaders and trust the leaders, like, what is it that you, what's the need that you have? And we don't put a lot of stipulations or strings on it. So just as one story, so Josh, her husband Josh, um, was saying, hey, we're building this workshop and we're trying to raise money for tools. And a lot of churches help. is just kind of everybody pitching in. And my question I always asked to be was like, what do you need? Like, you're, you know, we'll help. Like, what do you need? And so Josh, because there was a great relationship already by this point, had no, you know, he was, we were able to be very honest with each other. And he's like, well, there's some big ticket items that honestly probably people will not be able to do because, you know, it's like, it makes sense. Like, you know, I don't know you guys, or maybe I do, but I don't have money. I can't buy like a $2,500 saw or whatever. And so, and this is not about me, this is about you. I said to Josh, I said, we're not going to give anything right now. When it's all said and done, tell me what you needed that you didn't get. And then whatever's left, we'll, we'll do it. And so he did that. And so I love that the money is there and the resources are there because of your generosity, that we're not nickel and diamond as best we can. We're saying, like, hey, what is the need? And then we're able to, to answer that need. And so you did that. And so there are kids in, in, in Guatemala right now who are learning. Like, I'm a little bit jealous because I don't even know how to use a saw. But there are kids in Guatemala right now. Our kids can teach you. Yeah, that's right. right? <laughs> who... Are learning because because you gave. So, um, one more question for you. So, obviously, God has been blessing Casa yes. Shalom. Give us a little update on, like, where you are numbers-wise, how many kids you're bringing in. You guys are trying to expand, all yeah, that Yeah, right
3: now we have 110 kids. Our numbers kind of go up and down throughout the year. Um, but God has put on our heart to expand the orphanage, to be able to take in more children. I was sharing with Rob and Melissa last night. Um, So the the good orphanages, the good orphanages in Guatemala are few and far between, and they're mostly these giant warehouses for 900 kids and they're just horrific places and the government is intentionally going around and trying to close those orphanages down and put the children in better locations and so the potential is basically limitless so we are in the very beginning phases of a project to expand the orphanage and it's like you said it's much more than just bed space so we could easily throw up some buildings you know put some beds in but first we're going to go through and expand eating space and volunteer space and space for more social workers and therapists counselors and then at the end, bed space to take yeah. in more kids.
0: And you guys are raising up a lot of leaders from the right yes. there in Guatemala. Yes. You're not flying in Americans. No. I mean, you have some Americans. We
3: do have some American leadership, but we also have a lot of, of Guatemalan leadership. Yeah. All of our house parents are intentionally Guatemalans. so we're raising the kids in yeah. a Guatemalan way.
0: I just want to publicly yeah. brag on you and honor you because Thank you and you, Josh Pastor. are incredible leaders. Thank you. Anointed leaders. Thank you. And it's not about just like throwing up a house and loving on some kids like strategically and God's vision. Like it's obvious. And we love the Hansons. Thank we you. We love your family. And obviously, we're going to continue to support. How many of you in the room, I'm putting you on the spot. How many in the room, you sponsor a kid monthly? Let me see your hand if you sponsor a kid monthly. Amen. Yeah. Awesome. So at one time, I don't know what the numbers are anymore, but I know at one time, there was like 39 or 40 families here in the church who were sponsoring kids. So, thank you guys for that, and I'm going to tell you details in just a second about a trip that we're going to be taking, but will you do me a favor and just say thank you to Jessica Hansen? So, I have a sheet of paper here because it has details, and y'all know how I get with that, so I want to make sure I don't mess this up. Um, Really pumped to be uh, announcing today that we are taking a uh, missions trip, our first ever family missions trip. So we're very, being very strategic about this, and I'll tell you why in just a second. But we're going to the Casa Shalom Orphanage in Guatemala, July the 30th through August the 3rd. You may want to put that in your phone. July the 30th to August the 3rd. Now, here, here's the purpose of this trip. We've taken work trips before. We've taken love on kid trips before. We've done all those things. But here's the purpose of this trip, um, is we want parents to take kids with them, like Like, take your son or daughter with you on this trip. We want this to be a strategic family trip, all right? It's not cheap. It's not our fault. It's Delta's fault. We're not making any money off of this, okay? Uh, It's going to cost you around $1,000 in order to pull this off. But here's the reason we're wanting to do this. There are so many influences in our kids' lives that at 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, 14 years old could steer them in the wrong direction. And you look back to like one defining moment, one bad friendship, one bad teacher, one bad whatever it is. And you go like, man, it totally changed the trajectory of their life. I think the, the, the same opportunity is there for a positive fork in the road. So I told you, my dad started taking me on mission trips every year when I was 12 years old. And so I'm taking Sadie. Uh, we did set the age limit at eight. Is that what we said? Eight years old and up. And, um, and so I'm taking Sadie. And uh, I'm taking her for one reason. I just want God to do something in her heart, and she won't be able to articulate it all. And, like, she's going to get on a plane, and, like, the worldview's is going to, like, blow up and all that stuff, which is incredible. And I'm not expecting her to decide to be a missionary at eight years old, okay? But I just want her to know, like, God's doing something in another continent. And I want her to think about it when she goes to bed, and I want her to see the kid that she's sponsoring. And I just want her to, to know God is big, and he's doing big things. So um, we... I don't know how many people we can take. I mean, I think like maybe 30. I don't know how many beds there are. I I do know more details, but I'm kind of scatterbrained right now. But we have all those details. People smarter than me and more organized than me have the trip planned out. And um, so if you want to go, we would love for you to go. But you got to get – oh, yeah, you kids have to have passports. Thank you, Joy. So you have to have a passport. Kids have to have a passport. So you all need to get that. We have more details, um, but just we have printouts like this we can give to you. And you can talk to Joy, call the church, and get more information. I just wanted you to know about that trip. We're pumped about that because we get to take our kids. And, uh, man, we just want God to do something awesome. Okay? All right, I have one more guest that I want you to, um, to meet today, or actually two more, but they're together. Um, uh, Richard and Mindy Watson are the pastors of The Refuge, but they're also starting a brand-new church this fall called Big Church. And, uh, and so we heard about what they were doing, took them out to dinner, picked their brain a little bit. And uh, decided that, that they were gonna be one of our partners for 2017 for Imagine. So, will you do me a favor and put your hands together? Welcome, Richard and Mindy Watson. Grab a seat, guys. All right, we got a bunch of preachers on the stage, so we'll try to do our best here to keep it short. But um, I would love for you guys to give us a quick backstory before we get to Big Church, because Big Church is kinda like Chapter Two. I want you to give us a backstory about what God put on your heart and the refuge and the incredible stuff that's been happening there.
4: Well, we were sitting in a church service, and it was a six-week sermon series on missional Christianity, and um, we hadn't been dating long because we both come from divorce, and our, our lives were a mess, and we just showed up to church, the same church, not really knowing each other. And um, a six-week series on missional Christianity, and we just looked at each other and said, we're sitting on a pew. Uh. We're just showing up and receiving, like Pastor Jason said earlier. And so, long story short, we get married, we go on a 21-day fast, and four months later, we start a youth ministry in our hometown, not our hometown, but where we were living. It was just um, amazing to see what God did with A bunch of, uh, Andrea taught at the school. Most of the kids that came, came from really bad backgrounds. They had been raped. They had been molested. Parents were in jail. They had been abused. And it was just heartbreaking. But within a matter of about five weeks, we went from zero to 150 kids that just needed to be loved on by people and by Jesus. So that's where we started. Yeah,
0: and that was six years ago, seven years ago, something like that. Uh, about five and a half. Okay, five and a half years ago. So that was going. That's been going good. But about a year and a half ago, or a year ago, I can't remember exactly when you told me God puts it on your heart to do something else. So tell me a little bit about the heart behind Big Church. Well, Andrea stole most of my good stuff back there in the back, but, uh,
5: <laughs> and I'll try to do this sitting down. I'm a, I'm one of those old Church of God preachers <laughs> that like to walk, and I'll be usually down about halfway down the aisle, but. Uh, We just felt like, we always felt like that, as she said, it was going to be a trickle-up effect, and God was going to start really changing the lives of these young people, and we've seen that. Um, And it's like, we just, we knew in our hearts that it wasn't just going to be, because literally, if God would have told me five years ago that I would be a pastor of a youth church, I would have said, good, that's a good joke, God, you know, (laughs) yeah, for real. I mean, you know. But, you know, God has a plan, he has a purpose, so we know, and then just Sunday night, we had a friends and family night, and just the the outreach of these parents that came in and said, man, we love what you guys are doing with our kids. I I had a, I'm just going to give you a little, I had a Catholic um, couple come up to me, and they were just like, well, this is a little different, <laughs> Yeah. but man, I mean, my daughter loves coming here, yeah. and it's like, I see why now, well, let me, let me. Tell me a little bit about more about what you're doing. That's what it's about. Because we always knew it was going to affect the whole family. So in 2017 in September, we are planning, uh, planting right. big church, and Let it's going to be there. for the whole family. Thank you, sir. And it's going to be just, um, you know, uh, when I sell just a little bit about it, I really believe, and I did the statistics, 83% of people in Louisville, Kentucky, either seldom go to church or go to church on just a, or don't go at all. And so it's so refreshing to us that, that a pastor would have us to come out and talk about a church that we're going to plant about six, seven miles up the road. Yeah. Because you know what? There's enough lost people out there. Yeah. There's enough There's enough out there right now that, that need Jesus to where we don't have to worry about being in competition. Sure. We don't have to worry about anything else. We just need yeah. to love on people. And, yeah. and our demographic, we want to reach. Uh, we were sitting there. I'm getting long-winded. I'm That's gonna okay. Quiet. We were sitting there across from a guy at the bank, and we were talking to him about some certain thing. Here he was, 34 years old, and he looked at us and said, you know, people my age don't go to church. Okay. And it's, it's just crazy, and that's where I started. You know, even before that, I was thinking that demographic that comes out of high school, I was raised in the Church of God. Yeah. I, was raised, I went to youth camp. I did all of the stuff that all these good... But when I got out of high school, I was done with church. Yeah. Peace out, you know. I'm, I'm I'm done. But he said, people my age don't go to church, and I said, that's exactly why we're starting Big Church because wow. I wanna I wanna see these 25 year old up to 45 45- and 50 year olds that have just disconnected and don't know which way they're going. I want to see them back in. I don't care what color they're. I don't care if they're tatted up. I don't care if they got earrings in ears. Yeah. I just want to see them. Yeah. yeah. Just know Jesus. That's I know that.
0: I, I love that you guys are opening the doors to everybody. But what excites me the most about your story is so, so often we think reach the parent and then reach the kid. And you guys are reaching the kid to reach the parent. And I, I love that. I'm jealous of that. And, uh, and just love what you guys are doing. And, uh, and so we're, we're going to do two things. Uh, Hope City Church is going to be doing two things for you guys. And I haven't told you about this yet. But first of all, before we leave today and here in just a second, I'm going to ask all of us to pray for big church because prayer is more powerful than money. How many people know money helps? And uh, and so as a church, we're partnering with you guys this year. We're going to give you $10,000 to Big Church to, uh, to sponsor you and what you're doing. And uh, so you guys, you guys have already uh, gotten a building and you're leasing a building and, and doing all these things, and there's so many things that, that pressures that come with ministry, and if you're reaching teenagers, they ain't got no money. So... Um, And so we feel that God has blessed us to bless you guys.